0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. I was waiting on that—that that, like uh, the broadcast is live graphic to pop up. Thank you, Chris. I didn't know if it showed up on everybody's
1: end. I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, is yes, he, Well,
1: no, he slept no. through the last podcast. How am I supposed to fucking know if he? Knows I've been
0: how running content works. at six a.m., so I'm I'm right here, ready to go. Chris Krogman. welcome in to the Believe in Monsters podcast. Brought to oh, we're a proud member of the Believe Network. We got another fun episode tonight as the Chicago Bears are making waves. As we we've closed mini camp and now all eyes are on training camp. Welcome in our our good friends, uh, Lucas Berry. Bringing the expertise and Chris Krogman bringing the bringing the experience on the on the Believe in Monsters podcast tonight we bring in an old friend a great friend of the show Michael Gus Michael Gus offensive line expert you can find him on the Twitter machine at Michael Gus fifty seven and we are very very pleased to have him join the program tonight to break down what in the world is going on with the offensive line as many, many strange things have been. Happening around Bears mini camp, and you know, what do we make of it heading into training camp? So, before we get into it with Michael Gus, Chris Krogman, how's it been, man? How are you doing?
1: I'm good, Joe. I'm good. I uh, had yesterday off. Uh, my company celebrates Juneteenth, it's the first year I've ever had that off. So, that was nice, nice long weekend. Uh, excellent national holiday well sh- should be a national holiday holiday but uh yeah good weekend hung out with the boys took my son to the driving range again and kids are loving it every time we go to the driving range it pours rain for like five minutes and then he <laughs> blasts the ball down the down the driving range for a little while but uh you show any yeah. promise Oh, yeah, this kid's got it. His hand eye coordination already is pretty solid. I mean, he's six years old and it's the second time out, and he'll hit it pretty solid. Heck yeah, live tour. Here we come. Something like that. Yeah, I'm not accepting that oil money, but that's okay. I already give him enough for my gas, dude. Gas is five
0: bucks a gallon, bro. You may as well get something back from them. Uh, you know, they're throwing money around like it's nothing. Lucas Barry, how's your golf game and how are you doing tonight? Welcome in into to wel- welcome into Believe in Monsters and uh guess going with our guest, Michael Gus.
2: Uh the golf game is going in the wrong direction. Uh luckily we still have some time to work out the kinks before uh Krogman and I's big golf tournament. Uh been watching some videos on, on Wolf Creek there, Chris. And nice. uh it's uh I I feel like it's scaring me the more I watch about it. I'm oh yeah, it's like, great. I, oh, that's I'm scary, seeing like these like scratch. Yeah, I'm seeing like these scratch golfers be like, "Yeah, this course is absurd. Like, I don't think this place exists. It looks like it's from a video. It is from a video game. So, awesome. Yeah, that's uh, it's not trending in the right direction right now, but still some time to work out the kinks. Uh, otherwise, we got 35 days to training camp. I just looked it up. July 26 is when the Bears go back. Were they doing it now? They're not. They moved locations, Dallas. right? They do it at Halisol. Hall.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so so that. We'll, I, I Bourbon A. we'll see. We'll uh, see. I don't know. Are they going to change? Do you guys know if they're going to change any of the policies uh, because of the new regime, or is it going to be the same old kind of lockdown on training camp that we've had?
0: Did I see so our friend the... you said announced 11 open practices? Is that what I saw?
2: Maybe. I. I have no idea.
1: I know, like from from what you said has told us before, the reason they are so strict is their PR guy, their public relations guy. So I don't know if that changed with the new regime. Probably not. I mean, that seems like a position that wouldn't necessarily turn over with a GM and coaching change. But that was the reason they were so tight-lipped about everything previously. So
2: I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, for per for me personally, I, don't, I mean, I don't really care. I like the reports, but. If they want to not let the public see what they're doing, whatever. Who cares? The Chicago Uh, Tribune
0: reports 11 practices will be open to the public. All 11 scheduled to begin at 10 a.m. and will require a free ticket for entry. Those dates are July 28, 29, 30, August 2, 3, 5, 7, 10, 11, 15, and 20.
1: And they're not doing joint practices yet, right? Or like they haven't announced they, it. Iberflu said think, something about like maybe sorta kinda.
2: I think he said he tried, but it's not looking likely this year. I think that's yeah. what I saw. Yeah. Uh well anyway. Um, I think the biggest kind of question mark going into to camp is probably the offensive line and what's going on here. So uh whenever we have a line question, we always go to our friend Michael Gus, who is here to uh stir the pot with us and uh Michael how you doing man what uh how you feeling so far after the mandatory minicamp reports
3: you know I'm doing great um appreciate you guys having me back always a blast coming on here with you guys um but yeah I'm, I'm feeling great overall uh personally now as far as um you know some of the reports that came out it's it's a little confusing right I, I mean there's a lot there to break down I'm sure we'll get into it today um a lot more than you'd expect out of a mandatory, you know, prepad OTA.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's been kind of this revolving door of uh, just kind of similar questions, you know, why why didn't the Bears bring in these guys? Is this the line they're going with, uh, you know, the whole nine yards now? Uh, basically, the guy they brought in, Dakota Dozier, who, who was getting a lot of the one reps, uh, they just put him on IR, so he's going to be on the shelf for a while. Um, maybe a blessing in disguise for maybe, you know, instead of Dakota Dozier, maybe we see a rookie. Uh, I hope we see a rookie over Sam Mustapher since this is where we are. Is it the best option? I don't know, but uh, at least we can see what some of these guys, you know, have right away uh, before we go too far down the line and and answer some of these questions. Yeah. Um, let's just, I'm going to start off with Braxton Jones. I mean, it sounds like he's really impressed the coaching staff and seemed like he was one of the guys that, uh, you know, a lot of people had pointed to in the draft process saying, yeah, he, he probably shouldn't have fell that far, and he has, you know, starting potential. Uh, Michael, I mean, what what have you seen from Braxton Jones just from your own film study, uh, you know, that, that we might like?
3: You know, it's not surprising that, Jones has looked good up to this point, you know, especially in shorts. Um, he's a big, athletic, long guy. I, I, I thought that was a pretty cool quote. Um, you know, when he was talking about some immediate j- adjustments he made of, uh, what, what do you say? How do you put it? Throw them puppies, which is yep. he's getting instructions there. Really, yep. yeah, which is great. You know, you big athletic guy. You know, you want to see him. That's that's his number one strength. So you want to see him throwing those hands and using that length. Um, you know, again, he's by all accounts, he's a smart guy. So it's no surprise that he's, you know, impressed up to this point. Um, Now we'll see when the pads come on, right. Um, Changes a little bit when you go full pad, full contact. Um, But Hey, you know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, they got one of those day three guys that appear to be, you know, in the starting mix or getting, you know, minimum reps with the ones. Hopefully that's uh You know, hopefully that's a product of Jones, you know, taking that position by force, you know, really impressing, other than him being the, you know, the least undesirable option.
1: Well, Lucas had a a side conversation with a former Bears person that said the coaching that these kids are going to get is night and day from what they got in college. Even, you know, even the – the the D one guys, the, the, the power five guys are going to see just much, much better coaching. Uh, but you got to imagine a guy from Southern Utah is seeing coaching that he's just blown away by. It's like, you know, getting tutored by Albert Einstein. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, the coaches at Southern Utah, God bless them gave uh, gave the instruction to throw them puppies and punch people in the chest.
3: No, and that's a and that's a good point. I mean, it's a really easy trap to fall into. You know, at any level, anytime you're moving up a level in competition, you you were probably a guy that you know. Don't, don't get me wrong; did all the little things. You know, worked extremely hard that got you to where you need to be. But also, you were a big fish. You know, any anyone who gets drafted in college. You, you had some natural abilities and maybe some other people didn't. So, yeah, to get in a pro facility coming from, you know, a smaller college and pro coaching and, you know, probably almost – it's almost an individual individualized coaching. That's – there's room for development. You know, he's got the frame. He's got the things you can't teach. Um, now, hopefully, you know, they can teach him the rest uh, quickly because the Bears, uh, the, you know, they need functional bodies. Functional. That's that's a man. That's a word. That's Michael. With all
0: the work that they've done with Braxton Jones, and obviously bringing him in, and it's very clear that the, that the coaching staff likes him. Are you concerned that you know undrafted free agent looks like he might be one of the Bears' starting tackles and 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 uh, going to protect? Justin Fields in his second year and with that concern do you have any feelings that you know this could be a diamond in the rough type of player we remember um we remember Charles Leno became a seventh round draft pick and played for many many years and whether you liked him or not that was still an accomplishment to where he was drafted from uh do you you have the concern about about him playing as an uh UDF uh well not a UDFA. he was drafted in like the fifth round wasn't he uh, He's drafted later rounds, uh, but he'll be protecting Justin Fields. And do we think that there's a guy that can become sort of a franchise left tackle?
3: Yeah, I've been pretty vocal. I mean, everyone here is probably, and anybody else on Twitter has probably heard it nauseam that I'm concerned with the fact that they don't have a proven quality starter on the offensive line as it stands now. And, I mean, that was true in March, and it's, it's true to this day. Um, So it's not a Jones thing. It's an all five of them thing. You know, there, there is no floor just because we, you know, we have no Jones has never taken a pro snap. You can see, you know, you can see the upside and you can see the upside with a lot of these guys, you know, huge frame, great athlete by all accounts, you know, adjusting well to the pro game. But I, I mean, if there weren't areas to work on areas, if there weren't reasons to be concerned to your question, well, then we wouldn't have got him because he would have went pick number five. You, you know, his, his name would be Sowell or Tristan Worse. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's not a Jones thing or a Patrick thing or, uh, you know, spin the wheel, whoever's playing right guard today thing. Um, it, it's more of a unit as a whole, you know, this, this unit doesn't have a floor and that's the concerning part. Jones is just a, a microcosm of that.
1: That's scary. Doesn't have a floor. Jeez. Michael's just dropping heaters over here. Functional floor is essentially the hot new name for the Bears <laughs> offensive line as a whole. Uh so, makes you feel
0: really good about Justin Fields year two. Yes. Hey, you know what? He
1: doesn't run 4 4 for fun, he runs because he has to,
3: and now <laughs>
1: it's gonna be Luke Getzi's job to get him into open pockets as much as possible uh so that's okay uh lucas do you want to continue to discuss braxton jones or do you want to talk left tackle right guard
2: uh well i kind of wanted to to just bounce off of braxton jones and go more to the uh which linemen are are quote unquote with the first string right now and uh kind of what we feel like the uh you know this new running scheme is going to look like so Uh, you know, there was a conversation on the timeline the other day about inside zone, outside zone, and it, it kind of got me thinking, you know, what, what are the fundamental differences between the two and what are you looking for in Lyman, Michael, in these two different kind of schemes? Um, and I, obviously, you know, you can run a mix of both, but from what we've heard so far, it sounds like the bears are going to try and run an outside zone scheme, um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that Michael and and kind of you know what kind of traits uh you know the linemen should be we should be looking for in these linemen in these schemes.
3: Yeah, it's a I mean that's a great question. Uh something that comes up a lot. Uh most simply put, outside zone, you hear it referred to as wide zone sometimes. Um really in in terms of linemen, you're looking for a lot of the same prototypical linemen you you know they need great feet strong punch overall good athletes you you know you're not looking for those big maulers that are gonna you know fire out of their stance try to get a good chunk of as much of someone as they can and just drive them in one direction um so in terms of outside zone um now what you're gonna really be looking for is the whole line reach blocking right so they're all going to be looking one gap to the play side it I, and look, I know, you know, a lot of people um, play the video game Madden, right? So you think, you know, they think stretch, which is partially fully incorrect. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole idea of outside zone, right, is we're we're applying pressure. There's that threat. We're reaching. So everybody's trying to get, you know, if you're covered, meaning if you look to the play side, if the play side is left, and I look there and there's a guy in that gap, you know, I'm going to try to cover and smother him. So, even if you go backwards and it's going to drive some people crazy, I'm sure. You know, the goal is to I cover, smother. It's generally how I hear it described, um, meaning that you just want to get a piece of them and take them any which way you can go. Ideally, you'd love to get your hips around and, you know, set up an outside lane. But the purpose of that isn't necessarily to get your back to the outside. Really big misconception, wide zone or outside zone, overwhelming amount of the time it, it ends up is a run finishing in between the tackles and that, and that's by design right you know if i'm a linebacker and you know i'm concerned that that big old tevin jenkins is, is starting to eat my you know my head up six or or head up five you know even you know full shade seven um and i'm flying to get outside because i don't want to give up the big you know now that running back puts his foot in the ground there's a huge seam and you see uh um, trying to think of examples, you know, Todd Gurley, that's a really good, you know, heyday Todd Gurley. But, you know, think of that, you know, you'd see him, he, he's going lateral, he's going lateral, stick his foot in the ground straight up the field. That's typically what you'd see inside zone. Um, a lot of the same concepts. Now, the, the, the core difference, like if you're, you know, just trying to boil it down to one thing. Um, core difference inside zone, you're going to see double teams on all the down linemen except for the backside end who's going to be unblocked. You know, either they're going to read them with the quarterback or they're going to bring someone across the formation. It looks like a trap block, it's got a hundred different names. Uh, um, split, I hear, uh, I've heard sift, I've heard long wham, whatever the case is. Um, somehow we're going to deal with that backside player, we're going to double all the down linemen to the linebackers, right? So, again, you know, the whole thing The whole thing about these zone schemes is the first thing these offensive linemen are going to do and why, you know, it's typically the same prototypical player. I look to the play side. If there's a guy there, I'm covered. Um, if, if there's not, I'm uncovered in wide zone. If I'm covered, that's my guy. If I'm uncovered, I'm going to try to get to the next covered lineman. So, if I'm a center and my guard's covered, I'm going to try to get all the way – You know, you see him push the guard off and then that way the guard can get up to the second level inside zone. We're just going to double that guy. And when that linebacker shows, whichever way he shows, you know, we're going to take a 45 degree angle and just double that down lineman to the linebacker more. So a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a strong running, Um, but, you know, a little bit quicker seems um, less risk, less reward, I, I guess you would say. But uh, I mean, oftentimes those those systems go together, right? Because you don't want those defensive linemen and linebackers to know, am I being reached? Are they going to, you know, are they going to double me through? I'm a backside end. Maybe they're reading me now. You know, you don't want to, it's like anything. You don't want to give them any kind of cadence or rhythm.
0: So, how can the Chicago Bears, with a lot of its new pieces on the offensive line, be able to, um, you know, get, get the, get the, get the, get the most out of, out of this group. You, you've got a lot of inexperience. You've got a lot of uh, new pieces in teaching the Luke Getze system. What, what, what's your, what's your thoughts or your philosophy on, on basically getting these guys up to speed fast. So week one doesn't look
3: like a total disaster. You know, personally, and I know we've heard a lot about wide zone. I, I would be surprised if if they really run more wide zone than inside zone at least early on, because to your question, it's and I don't want to say it's easier to teach, but there's there's less things that can go catastrophically wrong. Um, You know, kind of we won't rehash that way too long explanation we just went into, Um, but you know, if we're flat out missing a block in inside zone, that that's probably a linebacker and that's probably. I mean, if that's a great linebacker, that's a one-yard loss. But, I mean, it's probably a one- or two-yard gain still, you know, assuming we execute that level one block. If we're trying to reach guys, and, you know, that's a very, very hard block. you know, And and that's the big thing. That is the wide zone or the reach blocks. I mean, those are probably the the most difficult run blocks, I would say, by far, um, for offensive linemen. And, you know, that's where you can see some really silly things, right? That's where an Aaron Donald just – you know, a guy trying to dig, to, you know, as hard as he can to go get him. And that defensive lineman just, you know, he's off balance, puts him on the ground. Now it's a three-yard loss. Um, so I would uh, – I, I mean, if I'm the Bears, I'm keeping it really simple early on and making sure we can do – so uh, the opposite of Matt Nagy. Let's find some things that we can do really well, and let's, let's do those things, and then let's build off of that, not let's, you know, throw stick spacing – 150 times and then close their eyes and pick a random run play.
2: So just to go off that real quick, when you, when you're talking about the reach blocks um, get, you know, basically getting to the second level, you know, crossing guys faces. um, Do you think that's the, the end goal of this is to end up running that wider scheme. And uh, is that's basically why the bears brought in more athletic linemen. we're seeing them an influx of, uh, you know, guys who are just way better athletes up front? Um, do you think that's because that that's ultimately the end goal is to run that wide zone?
3: Without getting super technical, um, I would say the end goal is to for them to get to the point where they're equally proficient in both. Um, uh, so a lot of times the wide zone, any wide zone scheme is going to probably even have more, you know, more inside zone worked in. It's just, you know, you know all wide zone teams, run inside zone, not all inside zone teams run wide zone, if that makes sense. Uh, Again, because it's a little bit more difficult. There's a little bit that more goes into it. So I, I think end game for them is they build a complete system off of zone running, you know, completely. It would, I would be shocked if they didn't feature a lot of inside zone because again, going back to that way too long explanation, it, it allows you to not – by nature, it's going to allow you to not block the backside defensive end, which opens up all the zone read concepts. Um, I can't fathom that, you know, you're a zone coach that, you know, he does have a tree that wide zone, inside zone, everything. I can't yeah. imagine you look at Justin Field and go, no, I, I really I don't want to work any option game into that. Like, that's – I think that, you know, they're going to really desire to be a team that works both, keeps defenses off balance, and then that rolls right into their play action game, you know, and all the the branches off that main limb, if that makes sense.
2: Definitely. I, I mean, I guess to kind of rephrase my question, I'm, I'm talking about more so just the, uh, you know, your lineman uh, kind of archetype there, um, you know, is, is the more athletic lineman, I guess, better for a wide zone scheme as opposed to inside zone, or is it kind of interchangeable,
3: Literally. or does it not really matter? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and typically those are going to be the same prototype of player. You, you know, it's gotcha. very rare that you're going to have an outside or, you know, an outside zone or a wide zone, you know, ace or specialist that isn't also good at inside zone. Really where the scheme misfits would happen was, you, you know, a true gap player, you, you know, a big gap blocker Um just the big maulers that, you know, fire out of their stance, go straight downhill, you know, that maybe don't have that, that feet and the athletic ability to do it. Kevin dip. Jenkins? To an extent, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be the closest example, but I, I still, I think he's got the feet to do it. Yeah. Um, now, again, now that, see, you brought up a great point, though. That is a player that, that is naturally right now going to be much more effective in the inside zone versus the outside zone game. Um, And and I guess that's where that distinction would come. Um, Typically speaking, though, uh, the great thing about this system is it's so popular now in the lower levels that all of these guys, I'm sure, (laughs) you know, have done it. um,
2: Since high school sometimes.
3: Yeah, probably lower. I I mean, gap blocking is, you know, everything's a a cycle. It's gone for now, but it's uh, starting to come back if you really look for it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I remember I remember my team ran that. You know, back when I was in middle school, elementary school. You know, it was all gap blocking. But uh, yeah, that that uh that definitely answered my question there about the lineman and just just what you were saying about you know uh, how good the lineman's feet are. I think Braxton Jones. That's the one thing kind of really stood out to me. And I was watching his film. Is is just how nimble he was on his feet for for a really big dude. Um, so. Maybe that explains, you know, how the reps are getting divvied up or uh, et cetera. But uh I'll I'll kick it over to uh, my friend Chris over here. You got a question? You chilling?
1: Chilling, learning.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, that's why uh I, I saw that conversation on the timeline and I was like, even this is stuff that's out of my I, I don't fully understand the I mean I I, I I got the basic
1: you know, concept of power versus zone, essentially, you know, like Michael was talking about with the power, it's more the, the big guys just trying to chunk and and crush people off the line, not trying to reach, not trying to be athletic, not trying to be in space, Uh, either zone system, you know, I think inside zone is something that Nagy was trying to do last year, but didn't do a very good job of, you know, especially on double team and, and, pushing guys into people or, or, you know, splitting off and taking the linebacker. Once you got to the second level, it it was just kind of chaotic, but uh, you know, the guys they drafted look to be athletic at their positions. Uh, Doug Kramer uh, Jones, obviously we've been talking about it sounded like uh, Zach, was Zach Thomas got some reps uh at guard finally? Um Borum. I th- I mean, do you Michael, do you think Larry Borum is is pretty athletic and has good feet for a tackle? Or what's your what's kind of your take as far as his athletic profile in this scheme?
3: Yeah, yeah, especially the uh pictures and it came out. Of him on Twitter. I mean, it looks like he's lost significant weight. Um, you, you know, really trimmed down a little bit. And and last year, Borum was interesting because if you would ask me that question last year at this time, I would well, no. You, you know, Borum was thought to be more of a pretty much a gap blocker. Uh, you, you know, he was kind of that Mauler that people didn't know about his past sets, and you know, there was some early stuff. Is he going to actually play guard? Um, but. I think last season, you know, I don't know, you guys chime in if you agree. Um, I thought it was the inverse. I I thought the athletic and his feet and his pass sets looked really good. And when he got into trouble, it's because he was just getting, just walked back into the quarterback. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I Tevin Jenkins too, hopefully. Um, He's had a full, you know, a full cycle now with, with good health where he can, you know, really benefit from it, but especially Larry Borb. I mean, that first NFL offseason, kind of like you hit on earlier, when you have access to these nutritionists and these workout plans and these private facilities, you know, I really, really, you know, again, for this line to be functional before we can even talk about, you know, being a line that can be something that improves to the average to above average range, they need a big step from really probably both of those guys, but at least one of them. I mean, one of them has to. By week five, we have to be looking at him, going that that's a good player. That's a player that's going to be here for a decade.
1: Well, like you said, with Borum last year, coming you know going from pre-draft process to the draft, lost thirty to fifty pounds. Now he's lost even more weight. Sounds like Jenkins, from a few different accounts, has lost quite a bit of body fat uh, this 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 offseason through diet and exercise. Um, and I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the No Name Football Podcast with Crutes with and uh, Jason McKee because uh, Seven Jenkins was on there. Uh, but he had talked about on there uh, his diet and just what he's been doing and how he has carb loaded in the morning before practice, essentially light, Light lunch, you know protein and greens, and then just really thin uh, dinners. So he's lost a lot of weight that way. Uh, hopefully he's you know taking care of that back and stretching it out and and doing whatever he can to uh, I don't know, be a difference maker on this team is i I guess is the easiest way to put it. Uh, michael, you you had sent that podcast to us. so why don't you kind of talk a little bit about what you heard? on the no name football podcast with uh with tevin jenkins and those and those former bears.
3: Yeah. Well first of all, from a personal note, hearing uh hearing Olin Kruots and Tevin Jenkins on the same podcast for me was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but uh and you know and, and again I don't want to speculate too far so I will stick just to what he said you know and, and nothing else. But man, it you know you guys listen to it. It sure sounds like that. that his back is limited some of what he could do this off season, at least, you you know, he'd kind of hit on, um, you know, it sounded like not so much him, but the team didn't want him doing a lot of like, like back squat, you know, he said specifically Um, and and just some other things where, you know, it kind of took me back where I'm like, Oh man, you know, how much of the off season program has he been able to participate in? How much has he missed? It was a little unclear, but there was enough there to, start to wonder like, you know, Oh, I, you know, I hope this doesn't affect his development. You know, like it sounds like it could have.
1: Yeah. Just talking a little bit about recruits had asked him, uh, had asked Jenkins when coming off the back injury, what did, what did that look like after the surgery and whatnot? And crude said, or uh, Jenkins said that they, his, you know, they got him up walking like the day after the surgery And then they had projected him to, like, not really be functional or doing workouts really for four months. And he said he he beat that by about a month, month and a half. Uh, And then it was, and this is what I found interesting, just learning to trust his body again, to put that full weight on it, and to not be scared of... I guess re-injuring it was his, was his message. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So if he's still building that trust within himself and he, like he shouldn't have been playing at all last year, in my opinion. I mean, if that's, if he's still talking about that and still thinking about that and that's still a, you know, conversation. And like you said, with the, 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 the weight room it's all upper body right now for him he said you know for the most part or was last year it was no squatting no you know i don't know what else he was even allowed to do per the team so i'm in i'm very curious to see how this plays out with him over the next few months
2: well i know michael said you know he doesn't want to speculate but uh I mean, we kind of mentioned this last week, Chris, full speculation. We said, what if Jenkins is still hurt? I mean, it's, I don't know. It it just really seems like there's something up there, you know, hope for the best for him. But, uh, it would be a huge bummer if, if, you know, the reason Jenkins is getting second team reps is because his back still isn't fully healthy. And, you know, it's just another question mark along the bears line. I mean, we, who knows? You know, we still don't know why, he, if that was the reason he fell in the draft, you know, maybe, maybe it really is. And this is kind of the aftermath of it. So uh, I don't he know. Did say it's the, a...
1: He did say the pain was gone, which was, is great to hear, but right. it, it just becomes trusting. Yeah. Like can... you said,
2: I mean, it's a, it's a massive mental hurdle. Um, and mm-hmm. just the fact that he, you know, Obviously, if you have a bad back, you know maybe you shouldn't be squatting a ton of weight. But the fact that he hasn't done any yet is kind of concerning. I mean, even if he was doing, you know, the barbell or, you know, put put a forty five or two on there and just stay light. It's like if you're doing absolutely nothing on your back, putting any pressure on it, how are you going to sustain getting crushed by a two hundred and ninety pound bull rush?
1: That's exactly. That's why I'm like, why was he even playing? <laughs> A yeah. no, no, one thirty five is heavy, Lucas. I mean, that's heavy, and you want to put two twenty five on this poor man? <laughs> His
2: back is
3: tired, bro.
2: You know my point.
3: And that's the first thing I thought too was when I heard that. And that's I was like, doesn't that just reek of a bunch of guys last year trying to you know, claw at the uh, at, at the edges of saving their job? Here, throw this guy. You know, maybe this guy's awesome, but it makes me look great. Um, throw him back out there with what whatever percentage that his back was at um yeah doesn't it just feel like the responsible thing last year was to shut him down early and make sure he was good to go you know at this point right now not
0: responsible
3: that's that
1: that was a setback waiting to happen if it didn't if it didn't happen and i don't it didn't do the best for jenkins he didn't I mean, just being honest, he didn't look phenomenal last year. I mean, he wasn't, you know, lights out. Obviously, he was potentially playing out of position. Who knows if he was not 100% or didn't trust himself out there, if he would have even played left tackle better, right tackle better. It it really – it's really a a lot of questions on why he was even out there if he can't even do squats. So let's
0: say – go ahead.
3: And more just one last note on Jenkins in general. We talked, you know, a little bit ago about trying to get a baseline of acceptability for this offensive line and, you know, how low the floor is. You know, it's a narrow margin right now, I, I would say. You know, there's not a whole lot of room for error or misfortune as it stands right now. In fact, I would argue that they need quite a bit of good fortune for this, you know, unit to work out, especially early but I really struggle to see how that math works without Jenkins being a key part somewhere. And, you know, I, even to, uh, the conversation last week, a little bit that I heard, I, maybe that, even if that's right guard, um, but man, to, if we're really looking at a situation, cause he, you, you know, he wasn't at right guard. He was with the twos. Um, it's tough for me to see a situation where, this really works out well, you know, without Tevin J. It's hard enough for me to see one with him, let alone without him.
0: Yeah, you pretty much answered my question before before I even asked. I was going to say, without with, with, with losing Dozier and let's say Tevin Jenkins is already, is not going to be available, what does this line really look like? But you, you look down the list, you've got, you know, Bor- Borum and, and Braxton Jones, is, you know, Lucas Cody Whitehair, Mustafer, There's your five, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and that doesn't really strike a whole lot of confidence in, 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 in there for me. Uh, any, any any offensive line, and, and perhaps I'm just it's just my angry bias. But any offensive line that's including Sam Mustafer in your starting five. Sorry, old recruits, don't hear me. Don't don't, don't come kill me or choke me out. Mm-hmm. But any any offensive line that includes Sam Mustafer in your starting five makes me. Really concerned for the for the Bears' offensive ability to move the football at a consistent at a consistent base. So, I was probably post draft and, and, and post you know free agency kind of hitting feeling like the offensive line had a lot of positive upside, but I'm kind of losing some of that hopefulness and, and, and kind of wading more into a, a pool of concern. Would you rather?
1: Have Sam Mustafer or oh man, now I can't even remember dude's name. The former defensive lineman that we threw out there at guard for a while. Rashad Coward. 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 Yeah. Couchard. Would you rather have
0: Coward? Can I take Alex Bars instead? No, that was not the question.
3: <laughs> Sam uh, mustafa
0: I'll, I'll take a bullet because neither you're coward. not doing, you're not doing anything with either of those guys. I mean, I guess Mustapher's got the offensive line training, but both those guys just – Bam. Now, Not see, I,
1: I got you. I got one vote for Mustafer. That's, that's all it takes, Joe. Now you can fall in love with the guy.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Bear down. <laughs>
1: uh, as far as the right guard uh, goes, Gus, do you t- – I mean, do do you put do
0: Doug Kramer into center and you make Lucas be you, you make Lucas Patrick put Sam put Sam Muster on the bench.
1: Well, that's a, that's that's what we like to would like to see, but at what point are you concerned with the veteran center making the offensive line calls versus a rookie center or? I mean, I guess you could have Patrick make the O line calls from guard if you had to, until uh, Kramer was ready to do so. But I mean, I haven't even heard of Kramer getting any reps in practice, and maybe I maybe I missed it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what who who pushes Mustafa off that spot? Zach Thomas.
2: Not yet. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would. I personally like Zach Thomas the most out of this draft class for the Bears from a – well, I think Braxton Jones will be pretty good. But I just like – I like Zach Thomas's style of play um, personally. I think – I don't know. He's one of those guys that I think can make a difference in camp because his big M.O. is – you know, he gets to the second level really well, and and he looks to finish blocks downfield. Mustafer is probably... Mustafer is one of those players, he's a very intelligent player, but he just gets his ass kicked up front by bigger D linemen, and that's the one thing that terrifies me, of him playing guard for the Bears this year. So I, I really hope someone can unseat him, one of these rookies, whether it's Carter or Thomas or someone. But I... Don't have much faith in Mustafer even moving from center to guard. What about you, Michael? How do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, I mean he struggled. You know, just like you said, with being undersized and you know maybe a little bit of power aspect at center. I mean, that's it's just going to be worse at guard. It, that's going right. to become a bigger problem at guard. Um, yeah, we we went through the way too detailed you know, zone breakdown. Well, <laughs> one of the features of that is that your center is never by himself. I mean, that's literally, you know, that is a feature of this. That's why it's, that's one of the appealing parts. It's, you know, so they can't put a big nose guard over the center and, you know, mess things up that way. Cause it's going to be a double and he sh- he still struggled there. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I mean, I, you talk about, you know, struggling to see a positive outlook. I can't, see one at all where Sam Mustafer is one of your best five offensive linemen. Um and I mean think about that. We're at the point right now, you know, long-term outlook for the offensive line where best case scenario, Sam Mustafer is only one play away from being a starter in opposed to being an unchallenged starter. So, you know, again, that that speaks to the floor of this unit. Um, but to, you know, directly answer your question, no, I just I can't see a successful unit that features Sam Mustafer in any kind of starting role anywhere ever again. Would
2: you feel the same way if it was still Dozier there?
3: Pretty much. I mean, a little bit better, maybe. Um, But, but again, I mean that, you know, maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher there, but the floor is no higher. And again, for me, it all comes back to this. You know, I don't want to be overly pessimistic. I do see the upside of this unit, but, the floor is so low. I mean, it's we're in the basement, you know, right now. We're Sam Mustafer's playing out of position at right guard as a starter. That's that's just where we're at right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Dozier would have raised the ceiling a little bit, but that's never been the issue. The issue has been, you know, how ugly this could get. And I mean, you know, boy, it, it could get ugly. There's not
2: really many options out there right now to kind of fortify that position either. I mean, I feel like you you kind of have what you have at this point, unless you know there's a surprise cut in camp, and there'll be a reason that said player gets cut in camp. So uh yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, if you were to tell me that one of these rookies, their floor would be the same as starting Sam Ostafer, you just gotta throw him out there and let him learn on the fly. <laughs>
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, um, which again, I can't imagine coming to the conclusion that Sam to playing out of position at right guard would be the preferred solution. But and you said it too. I was, yeah, I think I tweeted out. We had talked about it a little bit. I was surprised with to not see any of the rookies really getting meaningful reps with the ones. I mean, my preferred you know, going into camp, my hope was exactly that, that you could bump Patrick out to right guard because he would provide a floor there. Um, you know, he's one of the only guys that's probably higher floor, lower ceiling, you know, type of deal that they really have on the offensive line. But he would provide a floor there and then um have Kramer at center. That was an idea I liked. But either way, I mean you got four day three rookies. I would hope one of them could beat out Sam Mustard for, for right guard. And if they can't I mean, where does that leave you?
1: So, uh, you know, a couple of the guys, well, Cole, Cole Komet specifically had said with this um, training camp or what, mini camp, whatever, what whatever season we're in right now is essentially glorified passing camp, right? You're not really going to get much out of the run game. So, you know, how much do you think we see different in – uh, late July, August with the O-line movements, you know, opportunities for guys to get spots. And I guess what, you know, what benefit is it really to see these guys at these different spots now, if, you know, they're not hitting and they're not, uh, getting an opportunity to really physically show what they have.
3: So I, and, you know, I see that, I've seen that talked about quite a bit and now definitely the pre-pad because again, again, there's only so much you can do when your primary job is blocking people. There's only so much you can do in no contact. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, these reps are really important for like the cohesion of the unit, the mental reps, the, you know, cause they're going to go up to the line. They're going to be looking at maybe players, probably like dummies, you know, or trash cans, old school. Um, and the real value, you know, isn't obviously blocking anybody because nobody's blocking anybody without pads on. But you know, going through the um, the calls, right? We're going to identify the front. We're going to go through whatever you know the new verbiage. Um, and, and again, we're just going to build the speed of that thing because, and that's often overlooked with the offensive line. I mean, you, you know, you got to just step back and think about it for a second because I know on the surface that sounds you know, maybe kind of silly. Like, what do you mean they're going through their calls? And that's really important. Well, you know, it's really, it's great to be able to take it really slow in pad because what's going to happen when the pads go on is now you're looking at, you know, now you're looking at live people. You're thinking about your pass set. You know, you're not necessarily thinking about what we're calling the front and, you know, what protection halfway through the cadence, somebody moves. Well, you know, you better have those reps with those and that trust in those people where, you know, they're, Justin Fields is halfway through his cadence and all of a sudden the front shifts a little bit, which, you know, mandates a different blocking assignment. That's where those reps can build that speed. So we don't, you know, do what we did last year where there's just like, you know, three techniques not getting blocked and, (laughs) and just getting free runs and into the backfield. Um, So, so I, you know, with all that being said, I, I really think there is something to, the fact that they had a pretty consistent starting five out there. Um, And look, these guys are professionals. These guys, (laughs) you know, know all of this much better than I ever will. But yeah, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, I guess. And they're not throwing those reps away. They're doing it for a reason. No, for sure. And that totally makes sense
1: with with cohesion and um, togetherness. And, you know, five, who said it last year, five punching is one instead of, or or one fist instead of five fingers punching or something like that, whatever uh, the the quote was last year is, is, is applicable. I mean, it makes sense. And you want all these guys working together, especially in a more advanced blocking scheme, like a wide zone or even on an inside zone. Cause you know, if you're, you're supposed to double team a guy and you just go off and do your own thing, obviously that's going to be a problem for the rest of the rest of the crew uh and change everybody else's assignment so uh, you know then it's just street ball and it's chaos and people are just throwing throwing their body at whoever and that's when penalties happen and injuries happen and yeah so yeah it's it's not completely throwaway reps it's guys that are in there with these same starters day in day out building that camaraderie uh hadn't really thought about that so that's a great aspect Michael appreciate that insight
3: Absolutely, and an, I'm sorry, another way to uh, explain it, which which I did explain once to me, which kind of light bulb turned on in terms of the communication. Just because you know that's the nitty gritty, boring stuff. There's not a whole lot of people that have been, you know, looking at a front shift. And oh man, you know, I like you said, the guy next to me better. I better be confident that he knows what you know I'm going to do, and vice versa. You know, think about and whatever you guys or anybody listening does, you know, it at, at their job think about somebody that you've worked with for years versus somebody that just started last week and how much more effective you can communicate with that person. And, you know, maybe it's in text messages and through a computer system or, you you know, whatever your field is. Well, when something, you know, maybe something unexpected happens and, you know, I don't want to say emergency, but depending on your field, you know, there could be, you know, an emergency situation or a, you know, time sensitive situation how much easier it is to communicate with that person and be on the same page and, you know, not be going back, double checking and having those missteps than it is with somebody that you've never worked with or, you know, someone from a different department.
1: Oh, I, hundred uh, percent. I have many, many working experiences that I can go back and think about, but uh, I used to play offensive line way, 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 way back. You know, when you guys were just a thought in your daddy's eye but leather helmet days i huh the leather helmet days no this was more like moses parting the red sea days but you know we still played football cuz that's how old school i am now i remember we had a play where if there was a guy over you you blocked him if there wasn't a guy over you, it was a big pull outside, you know, when you hit the linebacker, I played guards, so a big pull outside and you hit the linebacker. My dumbass forgot which was, was which. So there's a guy over me. And I was like, Oh, this guy's going to down block him. Right. Cool. I'll get the, I'll get the linebacker on the outside. And my running back got destroyed. So you absolutely need to know your assignment and uh, know what your teammates are going to do, or you will we'll get somebody hurt.
3: And that's a great point, Chris. And I mean, and you know, so I'm sure you know. And just for anybody else out there to, again, give a little perspective, you know, go watch when a quarterback starts cadence, and just think about how small of a time that is when he's halfway through, and then they say a word and snap the ball. Hey, if something changes or something happens, you know, and you 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 probably know from experience, Chris. You know, no matter what level you play at, this doesn't change. A lot of times, you know, you don't get the luxury of the pre-pad. You know, that's why the reps are so important of that center clearly communicating with you. Hey, look, this guy did this. Now they're lined up this. So this is the, you know, this is the new assignment. No, that guy smacks you on the side of the helmet and points <laughs> and, you know, lets out some inaudible sound and then snaps the ball because that's all there's time for. And if you don't know what that means, then Justin Fields, you know, he's going to have another highlight tape like has been going around Twitter where they just don't block any of the front four.
1: Not good, not good at all.
2: <laughs> so bad.
0: This was back when uh, offensive guards were 145 pounds. So, Chris, we, we you know, we appreciate your service. Guess I got one more question. Uh, we've talked a dozen times on this podcast uh, in the past handful of weeks is who's really making the call with the personnel decisions? Do we think it's Ryan Poles? Do we think it's Matt Eberflus? Do we think it's Luke Getze or even Chris Morgan? So well, we've we've all had the offensive line coach, we've all had our own kind of discussions with that, as a lot of you know, a lot of this doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. So uh, as the resident offensive line expert of the Bleaving Monsters podcast, What's your take on how this, this, these decisions are being made and these reps are being divided up?
3: Is the word collaboration banned permanently, or how does that work? Um, <laughs> because that would – I mean, I think it probably should be banned, but that's the word that unfortunately sticks out. I think it's a group effort. you, you know. Um,
1: We're going to go with partnership.
3: It, there you or, go, yes. Or
1: a – <laughs> something else there's lots of synonyms you know cooperation alliance we can go with any of those but yeah collaboration is gone yeah, I,
3: I think it should just be relegated to the uh dumpster of bu and 202 um but uh yeah i think that it is a group effort and needs to be for you know if this thing's going to work long term then that needs to be a group effort but ultimately I would say it's the coaching staff. I, I mean, you know, I polls does not strike me as someone who medals, you, you know, and none of them are going to admit to it, but didn't Ryan Pace always come off as a little bit of a meddler uh, to me, he did. Um, but you know, Brian polls seems pretty straightforward. Hey, I got you the guys. This is what I like about them. You know, this is what we agreed on. No, go get me. You know, go get me a starting five that's not going to embarrass me for six months.
1: It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. But yeah, a pace medal, uh, I don't know. I guess so. But like, I like this is the time where I want my GM and assistant GM meddling because they actually know what the fuck they're doing, you know, with the offensive line. Um, yeah. So we, we, we've spent 53 and a half minutes talking offensive line. And that is the hot topic of the, you know, the, this camp, everybody's talking about it. Uh One thing that some other media uh, podcasts and, and whatnot have brought up is what the fuck is happening with our weapons? Like nobody's really showing out Pringle Looks like you know he's not the bag of chips we need him to be. Uh Tajay Sharp, I guess, has made a couple of plays. Uh Dante Pettis is he's looking somewhat gold. okay. Um Mooney though. What Mooney Mooney's Mooney's Mooney. I mean, he's starting to. I mean, I guess he still looks like he is just as good as he's ever been. A two plus, and, a one B. Yeah. And oh. Cole Komet could be a big part of this offense. Uh, Michael, what do you uh, you want to do? See, like the, that. I when we talked about him having sixty catches and six hundred yards last year, that blew my mind. I I people were bagging on that man every single fucking week, dude. Like you would have <laughs> thought, guy had thirty catches for 20, 250 yards. <laughs> like you would have thought he was Michael Pruitt, but no. He had a decent season last year. Zero
0: touchdowns, Zero. I will hear
1: out. no Notre Dame tight end slander on this podcast, or I will kick you out. Michael, what are we going to do with our weapons?
3: So I'm glad you brought up Cole Komet, because I think a lot of Bears fans are going to have to just be okay with the fact that this offense is going to be average or better, which is, it should be. I, I mean, we we should have some expectations for year two at Justin Fields. Um that that almost certainly's gotta co- gonna be a result of Cole Komet again being your second in reception and yards. That number probably needs to be a little bit more inflated from what he did last year. I mean, I'm you know, I'm sorry, I don't think by I know someone's probably gonna tell me about he's second in separation on Tuesdays when it's overcast or you know, whatever whatever they're gonna use. <laughs> but, I, I mean, he's not a guy that's probably going to go for 60 catches where, you know, we saw Cole Komet do that. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of their weapons, they need Cole Komet to you, replicate that consistent production. And to Joe's point, yes, he needs to score touchdowns. Hopefully, Justin Fields this year and year two in a system that, you know, would make sense to a seven-year-old, unlike the one last year. Um, you know, hopefully Justin Fields throws more than seven touchdowns, and you know, um, that would be a reasonable expectation that Cole Komet could bring in some of those.
1: My son will be seven in January. Should he understand football by then? Because I just like, I, yeah, this kid's not gonna, he's not gonna get it by then. More than the well, BG I mean, Maggie's
3: offense is a great starting point. They ran, you know, they ran shotgun handoff, that's all you got to tell is. They never did anything other than All just a basic offset inside zone and then they ran sticks. So, like, hey, you know, hey, look, you know, did did he hand the ball up? No, then look about three feet past that guy that uh and you'll see the guy he's gonna throw the ball to.
1: It'll be like sticks. You mean like pickup sticks, Dad?
3: Yeah. You play pick-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is about as complicated as Nike's offense was
3: pretty right much. Here. Yeah. It's either, you know, you're on offset inside zone on first down, or we play Candyland. yeah 18 motions four resets to to have four different guys run to each hash three yards away from the quarterback turn around and get smothered
2: Rushed. so i i gotta go back to what chris was talking about earlier have you ever heard of whatever blocking scheme he was talking about michael
3: which one that he
2: that he ran in high school where you like pull a- if there's where you pull if there's no one on you
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's like old school what, what? wing T, like two down, one around pin pull. I was going to
2: say, is that is yeah, that what you so ran, Chris, wing T?
3: it
1: <laughs> so ran can, like know. triple triple option. Yeah, I oh, had, had, had a wing a lot. No film mm-hmm. on yet. this
0: offense.
3: Yeah, um, yeah uh,
0: so only, only stone carvings.
1: You know how you sing about it every single week, Joe? <laughs> In the T formation and all that stuff? Man, do your homework.
2: Do your research.
1: Go listen to Vic Fangio.
2: I'm no but speaking of running schemes blocking schemes i will finish on on this note here and i want to hear what you guys have to say um will will khalil herbert claim the chicago bears backfield by the start of next year meaning will he show enough to say hey we're, we're gonna let david montgomery go and oh. herbert will be our future back moving forward I think yes. I think it's gonna be a 60-40 split, and I think at the end of the year Herbert will be the better running back out of the two. That is my bold statement. I like Herbert. I think Herbert's got juice, man.
0: Hopefully he's
1: not on the juice. He's got juice unless he's running a kickoff back. And then he's got then he's pulling a fucking bus, dude. Bus full of juice. <laughs> he
2: looks so slow on kickoffs.
1: Why how is that possible?
2: I don't know. I I love David Montgomery. He's just he's just not explosive at all. I I think Herbert really might be the thing. feature back toward the end of the year.
1: Uh eh, I don't know, man. David Montgomery ain't gonna go down without a fight.
3: Yeah, no, and I think Montgomery is poised to. I mean, to go back to the weapons question. How is this offense good? David Montgomery and Cleo, uh, the rushing attack, and working everything. And up. Ebner, I
2: think I think Ebner is gonna have a big pass catching. Uh, kind of duty out of the backfield as well.
3: But yeah, you know, since we already looked at, you know, we we looked at wide zone, right. And what we're really looking for, contrary to, you know, the belief on Twitter and or on, you know, Xbox Madden, um, the idea of wide zone is not to take the handoff and, you know, run like you're on fire towards the sidelines and hope to get around the corner. You know, it's to be patient to use vision and stick the foot in the ground, run through an arm tackle and, you know, you're, you're out of there. You know, you hit that same one cut gone. I think Montgomery, people are really, really, uh, misevaluating what a good fit he is. Cause again, they see Khalil Herbert, they're like, great run wide zone. And he can, we're going to give him the handoff and see it. You know, he's going to take 25 carries outside the tackle, which that's just not how it's going to happen. But I like both of them. And I think, I think, you know, th- I think there is a good chance by the end of the year that especially, and we'll see contract demands, um, kind yeah, You know, any extension would have to make sense for the Bears. You know, you're not going to overpay a running back right now. Um, but, man, having a one-two punch, having a 60-40 split, and keeping each other mutually fresh, hopefully healthy, you know, down the stretch, I think that's a great recipe. And then, hey, you know, that's going to be a good problem to have if they have two really good backs. And, you know, one of them's so good he wants more money, and the other one is good enough where he looks like he could be the feature back. That That's a good problem to have.
2: Yeah, definitely. I I feel like last year, I mean, Montgomery went down for those few games. Herbert played really well when he started. And then when Montgomery came back, they didn't really use Herbert. Like, they weren't using him right. They weren't – you know, they were putting him in weird – like, they should have been definitely giving him more carries, in my opinion, down down the stretch there. But classic Nagy just completely not utilizing guys to their strengths. I mean – look at look at what the packers do with you know AJ Dillon and uh Aaron Jones i mean they they ride the hot hand and either one of those guys could go off and have a fantastic week you don't know what it'll be and you know two kind of different style of runners but uh you know just uh, uh both effective in their own ways. so yeah no you're totally right if the bears rushing attack can can have that um you know it'll be a huge help to the offense but just, just wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on that before we wrap up here. But I do have a lot of faith in Herbert. I really like his game. Uh, I have nothing against Montgomery. I just, I, I do think Herbert uh, does give you a little more juice. You know, Montgomery. The one thing, the one area Montgomery has lacked, in my opinion, has been those really big home run plays. I think Herbert gives you more of that.
3: And what I want to, I want to see. You know, which we didn't see at all the past four years, which is criminal. I want to see some sets with both of them on the field. I mean, nice. we're talking about not having weapons. Well, there you go. There's two weapons. Find a way to get them on the field together. And without going super into it, um, hit me up on Twitter if you want the uh, detailed inf- explanation. But the running that, that split or that sift off the inside zone really is, is a nice way to use two, two halfbacks because it's not a very demanding block. You, you know, you don't, you could get away. A willing blocker doesn't have to be a good blocker. Can execute it, which, you know, lets you, I don't want to say hide that player, but lets you be a little bit more unpredictable in those sets with two running backs.
1: Well, and you can run it with Blossom Game in there as well. As a Blossom
2: Game, baby, let's go.
3: We'll you started game, on fullbacks, man. That'll be a whole, not- that'll be a whole full podcast next time.
1: Um I to answer, Lucas to answer your question I don't think that Herbert becomes, you know, a 70-30 60-40 split guy by the end of the year. I think it's Montgomery's job all year, but I do think that, you know, he could give them enough comfort to let Montgomery go if the price is not correct. You know, a year from now or an off season from now, but that's too far in the future for me. I want to see David Montgomery uh Catch 50 passes this year because they way underutilize him in the in the passing game. He's mm. uh, amazing in space. Makes people look r- r- just ridiculous when he has him out in the flat. So uh, pass him the ball, Luke Getzy. And uh, as long as you listen to this podcast, you'll be fine. Michael's got you covered with the offensive line. You know, I'll tell you how to pass it to the backs in the flat. And Joe will look at you funny and see the, the end of the story.
0: If we're throwing the ball at David Montgomery 50 times, then there ain't no way Cole Komet is getting 60 catches, Chris Krogman.
1: But you have no faith.
3: Well, see, hopefully this year, and this is gonna be a novel idea to any Bears fans that you know just started watching in the last four years, but it should maybe you know it'll be normal to get more than three consecutive plays before you give up the ball for seven minutes. So maybe there's enough love to go around, hopefully. (laughs)
2: Not only that you know you can utilize screen game and uh just passing in the flat to to run the ball through short passes which we, we rarely saw Nagy, but it's also an effective way to uh to to get you know short gains that have potential to go all the way so uh man yeah I don't know that's all I got for tonight when I was saying 60 40 by the way I meant Montgomery 60. Herbert 40, but even that might be a stretch. We'll see. I just, I have, I think Herbert will be really good. Oh, I thought
1: you um, said take over as the main guy, basically. Uh, so I, that's why I got sick. I it. I kind
2: of mentioned it. I said potentially, but um, yeah, ultimately, I think that maybe the most you would get is like 60 Montgomery, 40 Herbert by the end of the year. But even then, it's close to a 50 50 split. But. Sure.
0: I'm, I'm with Chris Krogman, at the, where I think uh, Montgomery's going to kind of lead the way. But at the end, end of the year, if he's asking for too much money, Khalil Herbert's going to have given them enough to uh, say sayonara, buddy, which will make me sad. But business is business.
1: My mom went to Iowa State. Always got a soft spot for those guys.
0: All right. Gus, we've been asking you questions all night long. long. Uh, do you have any questions that you've been pondering before we close it down?
3: What's – uh, yeah, so, you know, you, you guys actually have asked quite a bit about what I think think about the offense line, and I think it's pretty clear what I think of. I think there's upside, but there's a horrifying floor. What's your take overall? You know, I guess we could go around. Um, what do you expect out of this unit this year?
0: Total shit. Honestly, sadly,
2: bottom five uh, unit, Joe.
0: Uh, I haven't really looked at the other thirty-two teams, but there's not really much that gives me too much. You know, Luke and I been—I mean—have been buddies for a long time, and I've always been. It starts with the offensive line. Everything starts with the offensive line. I was. Probably one you'd call a truther because I would always, oh, the offensive line doesn't protect him, yada yada yada. Well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm very hopeful for Justin Fields. I think he's got a, all kinds of talent, and I'm really hopeful for the for, for the new coaching staff. I'm, I'm really, you know, hopeful for Luke Getz's scheme making a lot of things work a lot better than the last couple of years, But as far as skill and cohesion i'm pretty concerned about the front, front front five pretty concerned
2: lucas chris okay i ah, gotcha uh,
3: <laughs>
2: now we talked about this last week um i uh I, I mentioned it to my guys here joe and chris in our in our group chat that you know my when polls got hired i was really you know kind of psyched that they they finally brought in someone who Uh, you know, it was an ex lineman and really cared about the line. And he brought in Cunningham and I was like, all right, this could be awesome. Like, I want to see, you know, them remake this line. Um, But then just after free agency and the draft and still waiting here in minicamp, I'm like, all right, you know, when are they going to make a move? They can't not make a move. Uh, You know, my confidence has definitely wavered in them. Um, I've kind of said before, I, I, I almost expect them to hit on one of these kind of, you know, mid round draft lineman that one of these guys will be pretty good. And maybe that's Braxton Jones or one of these other guys who knows. And and if that's the case, awesome. I'll be over the moon, but uh, just my confidence in the line that they provided right now. And I mean, granted they, they did have limited resources, but on the flip side, I do think they could have done at least a little bit more to, to kind of solidify it. Um, yeah, my, my concern level right now is probably at a seven or an eight. Yeah. Um, especially with the Jenkins news Uh, and it's not even, you know, I'm not even worried as much as weird as it sounds about Braxton Jones and and Larry Boreham. It's the interior of that line is just terrifying to me. That's, that's really what scares me, but you know, the scheme will help a little bit. I think Justin Fields will be good despite of a bad line. And uh, yeah, I I think overall the line's probably a bottom 10 unit overall this year, but uh, I, I still think, I still think there'll be some other positive upsides to this, maybe a player or two that we're like, okay, this guy can play, and and we know for for the future. But uh, I would say right now I'm fairly concerned about this unit. So
1: you guys are depressing, and I will bring the light back because, look, you know, Lucas, to your point, I'm confident or uh, at least – have high hopes for what two former offensive linemen can do, what they have, well, what, you know, Cunningham has a track record of having done and to, you know, look at what they've done and, you know, you can have your uh, opinions on whether or not they should have brought somebody in, you know, a more well-known name, a, a a more historically, you know, decent offensive lineman rather than an unknown rookie or uh, a Dakota Dozier or whatever the case may be. And that's totally understandable. Uh, But to have faith that these guys will hit on one of these guys will find a diamond in the rough uh, is what I'm leaning on. I'm also leaning on, like you mentioned, Lucas, this scheme to help hide the in inefficiencies off of this offensive line at least until they can be a cohesive unit so that you know you 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 look at a guy like Justin Fields who should make a, a mediocre to bad offensive line better with the right scheme, the right play calling, the right design. And obviously we have not seen that as of yet for this, for this kid, you know, everybody out there is like, oh, you're going to get Justin Fields killed. Well, I don't, I think they're all aware of how not to get the man killed and they're going to do everything they can to scheme, double team, give him help, everything like that. they brought in, you know, a couple different blocking style tight ends and fullbacks. I don't think these guys are there to just watch Justin get his ass kicked. So all of these things within the preseason thus far, or the the mini camp, you know, to Michael's point with cohesion and, and reps and it meaning something. And Lucas, you have brought it up as well. It, It all does mean something, but Hey, if Braxton Jones is that guy, we are light years ahead of where we thought we'd be. You know, if he's a starting caliber left tackle in the NFL as a fifth round pick out of Southern Utah, we are light years ahead of, of where we where where we thought we would be and if te- Tevin Jenkins if there is a problem then please get right you know and be the guy that we that did get traded up for and get drafted at 39 wh- where a lot of people thought he was a good value regardless of if it was the Chicago Bears that took him in a shitty regime before so I'm I'm I have I'm cautiously optimistic I'll I'll put it that way I'm not gonna look in the dumps yet
2: It's a a good perspective to have. And uh, I will finish on this that uh, I said it last week, Chris, I just want the Bears to play their best five linemen. And if that means you move Larry Borm or you move Tevin Jenkins, the right guard, get it done. Do it. Don't, don't look back. Who cares where they were drafted, what they were drafted to do. If, if that gives you your best line, do it. If Jenkins needs to play right guard because Borm is killing it at right tackle and, and, uh, and Jones is killing it at left tackle. You do that in a heartbeat, and uh, bear down, baby.
0: Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation. With your T-formation, bear down, Chicago Bears, and let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears. Bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe.